Hey, Beats by Social Work listeners, we are so excited the Society for Transplant Social Workers has approved us to offer the opportunity for one credit towards your CCTSW MCS certification or recertification. Therefore, this will be one of our longer episodes, about an hour. To reiterate, the views and opinions expressed during this episode are solely ours as the hosts of this podcast and not as representatives or in any other official capacity on behalf of the Society for Transplant Social Workers. As a reminder, this is only to be used towards STSW credentialing as this credit is not an approved CEU towards state licensure. That being said, we are super excited to offer this. Please listen to the full episode for instructions on how to receive this credit. Yes, that does mean you have to listen to the entire episode. Hello there, and welcome back to Beats by Transplant Social Work. I'm Kristen. And I'm Tiffany, your host for the show. We're so glad that you came back. And for those that are tuning in for the first time, check out episode one to learn more about who we are. But a brief summary, we're both certified clinical transplant social workers who specialize in all things heart transplant and LVAD, also known as left ventricular assist device. Our goal is to talk about all the things transplant and LVAD from the social work perspective and to bring the human element back into the world of transplant and LVAD for our fellow social workers and our patients. This podcast is intended for social workers that work in the field of transplant or VAD. If you are a patient pursuing a transplant or VAD or a caregiver of a patient, we welcome you here. Although we are transplant and VAD social workers, we are not your social workers. We hope topics discussed here may lead you to further discussions with your own social worker. This also applies to other transplant professionals who may stumble into our show. We do not take the place or attempt to override your transplant social work but provide perspective and hope this allows for more open conversations and collaborations with your direct social worker. As you'll soon learn, we are both very passionate individuals, and although we may take the scenic route, we invite you along this journey with us. We are hopeful to make this a safe space to learn, be refueled, be heard, and feel understood. We want to challenge each other to be the best that we can be for ourselves and our patients, and we give you permission to challenge us. All right, so... um... <laughs> Just uh, for the sake of fairness, okay. Tiffany has been in the hot seat for the vital check for the first time every episode thus far. So I think it's only fair that I start off in the hot seat for our vital check. I agree. Thank you. Um, before we do that, though, real quick, I want to give a shout out to the Manuka AP Music Theory class of 2022. Yes. Um, they- actually composed our music for us guys that this music is not like stage stock anything like that this class after they took their finals uh actually wrote this for us so shout out to manuka thanks to my buddy and his students for for making that it's uh pretty cool we're pretty excited about that it's so fantastic and on that note it was really cool because the graphic that's related to our podcast was inspired by the music and vice versa. So it, it, mm-hmm. it really was just awesome to see all the creative input all around. So yes, shout out. <laughs> all right, Kristen, how the heck are you right now? Well, uh, so for those of you tuning in, you uh, did not get unfortunately get the outtakes version of this episode the behind the scenes of the the chaos but we are having a lot of technical difficulties today but hey that's what happens when you start a podcast right you don't start with all the hd equipment so 
I am not the high grade. And obviously, I'm sorry for those people in IT out there that may be listening and know I'm not talking about something I have any idea about, but I'm obviously not the high grade coax cable, whatever. I'm more the sad, pitiful Ethernet cable that is <laughs> currently rolled up in a ball of mess that is just holding it all together. Wow. Okay. So let me ask you this, though. Is that because of our technical difficulties we're having, or is that when we look back and reflect on the week no, or I, month? No, I think that this was just the, the cherry on top. No, but in all honesty... This week has been harder for me than other weeks. And the reason for that is um, we had some patients that passed away and that Mm. was unexpected. Um, I think it's worth acknowledging that because in this work, we deal a lot with palliative care. Um, These are advanced medical therapies. And that means that the treatment options are few and far between. So to be honest about that is important. And I think that a lot of people had a very hard time with the passing of some of these patients. And so we're all grieving. So I'm just as sad. It was a sad week. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you guys went through that. You know, it's actually something that I heard um, from someone that works at your institution, actually, uh, once was telling me that she likes to look at it as that we all carry a graveyard in our minds. And I took that and I ran with it. I actually wrote something up, uh, just kind of my own ditty once. But um, it's true. We we go through that as healthcare providers uh, and it's, it's that disenfranchised grief, the, the grief that's not recognized or acknowledged. And we lose a patient and we just have to keep going because there's so many more patients that we need to help. But it's, it's figuring out a way to hold your own kind of grief, hold your own ritual, hold your own whatever you need to do when you do lose a patient and, and kind of acknowledge that, um, whatever that might look like for you, because it's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. This work is life and death. And you put so much of your time and efforts into helping these patients, um, that cautious hope, right? Mm-hmm. Because it, it's not promised. Transplant, um, getting through the evaluation, actually getting a transplant, qualifying, making it through one. the surgery. Mm-hmm. And then being able to, to maintain it, um, it's tough. Earlier this month, I had a, a pretty significant loss uh, of a patient. Mm. That really rocked, uh, rocked the team for me as well. Um, I was actually out of town, and it was to the point where they, I guess, had a lot of discussions on how they should tell me because I was so involved with this patient. Mm. And a couple of emails from different providers even, mm. checking in on the nurse coordinators and on myself um, because of that. So I'm sorry you're going through that. Yeah, I am too. And, um, and I think that you make a very good point that about the disenfranchised grief. And so that compassion fatigue is so real. 
and and that the care team because we tell our patients this all the time right you know you you become married to us we become it's a it's a relationship and you call us when you need us and we're there for you and and so that means that we have a relationship with you too it's a two-way street and so when we do lose a patient I, th- I think it's important to acknowledge the fact that, of course, the family is grieving and it is in no way the same way that the family is grieving, but that the family is not alone in their grief either, that there are many, many people, including the team, that are grieving the loss of this person as well, that that person made an impact on the people that they worked with. So anyways, uh, that uh, the technical difficulties really were just the cherry on top of the um, the fatigue of the week and um, the grief. So I actually took care of myself with this grief by uh, I decided to order some of those little sheet masks from Korea and uh, downloaded the app Headspace. And so now I just lay with my little sheet mask and uh, listen to a Headspace meditation so that I feel like I'm halfway uh, getting some mental self-care while my skin feels a little happier in this 110 degree weather. So yeah, that's how I'm taking care of myself in the midst of, of this. All right. But what about hey. you, Tiffany? How are Good you? Stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a weird week for me, I'd say. Uh, I've used the word discombobulated many a times. Uh, <laughs> be real honest. I okay. just, it's felt weird, off. Not, not because there's any, it wasn't extremely busy, like my hair's on fire, everything's on fire, we're but all on fire, but it's, it's all fine. fine. It's fine. It's, it's everything's fine. fine. <laughs> it wasn't one of those but it was just it was just weird I don't know how else it It was weird week it was weird week but I am practicing self-care too trying to I was doing really really good with self-care I feel like like people had even noticed some changes in me nice and then I don't know I felt like I backslided this week I mean, I still, I went for a run earlier today. Uh, I didn't really have time for it, but I went and did a hits run on a treadmill. Um, so I might die tomorrow. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But uh, I don't know. We'll leave it at that. That's where I'm at. I'm, I'm like, you know, there. That's a really, no, I mean, there is sometimes all you can just do in the day. I, if all uh-huh. you did was exist today, then that is an accomplishment. So, and you didn't just exist, you ran. That is way above and beyond what I would be able to do. So cheers to you. Great job. Um, By the way, haven't made my bed all week and I'm okay with that. <laughs> that was going to be my next question. I actually have it written up on my board here. Next time, ask Kristen, is she making her bed? She sure isn't. That's exactly right. Kristen has not made her bed all week, but Kristen did adult today and she washed her sheets and then made a clean bed. So we're just starting off fresh. So wait, did you, did you make your bed after you put the sheets, the clean sheets 
Awesome. Yes. Okay. Okay. So you made your bed today. I made it today. Just not all this week. So I'm starting. Hey, today is a new day, right? (laughs) So there we go. On that note. Yes. So, okay. Uh, Today's quote is the improvement of understanding is for two ends. First, our own increase of knowledge. Secondly, to enable us to deliver that knowledge to others by John Locke. That's a great quote. It is. And, uh, you know, I think it's it's a great quote for today's topic. You know, we like to kind of make sure that our quotes match our topics. Mm-hmm. But uh, knowledge, it kind of goes along with that knowledge is, is power. And um, knowledge is power. we have to... <laughs> We have to make sure that we know what we're doing in order to be able to help our patients. And so last week we talked about the elements of the transplant plan and why it's so important to have the plan, why it's so important to have the LVAD plan. Today we're going to discuss the actual social work requirements outlined by the accrediting and governing boards for transplant and LVAD. And that's really important too because it's We know that we're doing this as social workers because it's what we're trained to do. Our assessment tools are very fluid in the sense of how we assess, but it's also important to know that we're not just making this up as we go along, right? We're not going into a patient's room asking all these nosy questions just because we're nosy people. Although sometimes I feel like that's a prerequisite to be a social worker. You have to have forensic skills to be a social worker. Yes, That's that's a very good way to put it. I actually once had a psychiatrist tell me, we are the sleuths of the hospital. I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I am a sleuth. So it's not creepy at all. <laughs> so once I get out my magnifying glass and I, I get out of like Sherlock Holmes costume, then I think I'll play the part. But it is also important to note that there are governing governing bodies, regulatory agencies that require us to include certain parts in our assessment. Mm-hmm. And that's why uh, a lot of times, sometimes it seems so long and our, our assessments are, why do we have to ask all that? Why do we have to do all that? But really, the majority of the questions that we ask are because of these governing boards. Mm-hmm. And it always seems to be that there's something new and a different way that they want us to ask it. Um, because these governing boards are the ones that actually come out to our hospitals, to our transplant centers, to assess that we're actually doing what we're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. They audit us on that. And, and they, they have the potential to shut us down if we're not doing yep. the things according to the way that they set it out. And not just one, but we got a couple of them out there. Yeah. And so those are the ones that we're going to talk about. And so there's three main governing bodies that we're going to be discussing. So the first one, CMS, the Center for Medicare Medicaid Services. I, okay, let me just digress a little further. I'm having the most fun during this episode so far than all the others. And it it is such a dry topic. And I think that's why we're <laughs> able to have so much fun with it right now. So I'm just so excited. So. So. It is. And you know what? It's, it's, we're doing it with BBSW flair, right? Yes. I, I just made that up. Beats by Social Work. So, Tiffany, can you go over with us the main things that you have learned about CMS? Mm, So much. I've been on so many (laughs) CMS interviews. Um, So, CMS is the one that requires us to do 
the evaluations that have to include at a minimum uh, information about the social of the patient, the personal of the patient, the housing, vocational, financial, environmental, coping abilities and strategies, understanding the risks and benefits of transplant, kind of goes along with that informed consent aspect, um, the ability to adhere to a therapeutic regimen, ongoing psychosocial issues that might impact the success and failure of the organ. So those are all things that have to be explored and have to be in there on top of having that documentation there, mm-hmm. having the approved defer deny language in there. Um, that's something that they're looking for. And if a patient is approved, but improved with contingencies. So if you put in your approval, you know, social work will approve this patient from a psychosocial perspective, contingent on, you know, psychiatry consult after or ongoing involvement in psychotherapy or substance abuse program, Mm -hmm. they're going to look to see if that happened. So they will look at your, whatever your recommendation is to see, did that take place? And did you follow up on it Mm -hmm. to make sure Mm -hmm. that it took place? And then if the patient is approved and they get their transplant, they're the ones that tell us we have to do the post-op day one. So the psychosocial post-op day one happens after the individual gets out of the surgery. Mm -hmm. And we meet with them to make sure that their plan's still the same, making sure that we're supporting them. How are they doing with, you know, they just got this major surgery. Um, There's a lot of emotions that go into that. And a lot of just kind of what just happened Um, the hard part is post-op day one, sometimes the patients aren't always alert and oriented. Mm -hmm. And so you're doing it with the caregiver, but you have to make sure that you're meeting with the patient as soon as they are alert and oriented. And again. Exactly. So with CMS, you know, not only are you having to do the psychosocial interview, the psychosocial assessment with all those different pieces that you mentioned, the social, personal housing and so on and so on, and the ongoing psychological issues that may impact their success. But they're also looking for, did you see them after surgery? You mentioned that having to do that first visit after surgery, which 99% of my patients are intubated. They're on a breathing tube or ventilator and recovering from surgery still when I'm doing that initial 24 hour visit with them uh, after surgery. So of course, 99% of the time it's with the family and it's can be very tough because the family has been in the hospital for the last eight hours waiting for their loved one to come out of surgery. And so that's a tough conversation to have sometimes because there's a lot of emotion that goes along with that and having to process Mm -hmm. it while you're still very much in the thick of what you're dealing with. Um, Mm -hmm. But then you're right that they, you, they're still looking for you to follow that patient. Your job isn't done just by the assessment. That's it. And they also expect a discharge interview. And our understanding of the discharge interview is that it's done within 48 hours prior to discharge. And so looking at, As far as, you know, in in different institutions may do it differently in terms of their policy, but imminently within the discharge, the range of anticipated discharge, right? But that that is a lot of documentation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, but it's for a good reason, right? You want to be a continual, a continuous presence in the patient's journey. 
Well, and I think that it's easy for us as the social workers to get caught up in the, oh, okay, Mm -hmm. I have to do this. I have to make sure this is in there because of CMS. I have to make sure this is in there because of CMS. I started jokingly referring to the note uh, by psychosocial eval as the the government note, you know, when you say (laughs) someone's government name, Uh, Mm -hmm. this is not a government note. Um, But as hard as it is, because we're, oh, we have to make sure this, 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 and we document it the way they want. There are reasons, and you you mentioned that, Kristen, and I just want to highlight that is there is a reason for all of this. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times it's coming from situations that have occurred in the past. So a lot of times these governing boards are putting things in place to prevent something bad from happening in the future. Exactly. Um, like, and the... so we have to remember that. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Like the it's unfortunate, but but true it usually takes several car accidents for a red light to pop up at an intersection mm-hmm. how yeah. are changes made mm-hmm. usually by tragedy mm-hmm. yeah and so if we can prevent that and so you know one thing i also want to note and we probably should have said this in the beginning but we are not cms experts we are not UNOS experts. We are not JCO experts. We do not work for any of them. We work for institutions that are ruled by them. Uh, anybody that works at a transplant center or an LVAD center is ruled by them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, anything that we say in here, we are saying from our point of view, from what we've been doing, working in this field for a long time. But um, I just want to state that, that, that every institution interprets the interpretive guidelines a little bit different. And so check your policy because that's what CMS is going to be doing. CMS is going to look to see what does your policy say. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the biggest things is if your policy says you're going to see somebody within 24 hours or within 48 hours, then you better have seen them. And they will count. I have seen it. They will count from the moment that the patient left the OR and they will count. Um, Exactly. if you say you're going to do three supportive visits a week in your policy, you better have three supportive visits. If you say you're going to support the patient, you know, leaving it a little open-ended, but um, make sure you're familiar with what your policies say at your institution. Cause not only are they going to go off of, are you meeting the core things that we put? You should, mm-hmm. what is in the institutional policy for the psychosocial job description and psychosocial policy. Right. And so that's also very important for uh, new social workers to know who may be new to a new program, a program that's recently been established, or a social worker that's new to the entire field of LVAD and transplant. Because not only do you need to know your policy, but as the social worker of that institution or with that institution, you, you potentially have weight to change policy to to impact policy because you're right cms gives you interpretive guidelines it says you must support the patient um, but then it's up to your institution to give the specifics on like you said is it going to be three visits a week is it going to be as needed is it going to be you know x y and z so know those policies and if they're unobtainable or you're in a new program where you're part of writing those policies, then be a part of that. Try and work to have a seat at that table. That's a very good takeaway from this. And the next 
regulatory body that we were going to talk about is UNOS, which is the United Network of Organ Sharing. So this is a nonprofit organization that um, serves as the nation's transplant system with the federal government. So it's not necessarily the government itself, but it is under contract with the government. And so what their job is, is basically to make sure that, um, that transplant hospitals, that organ procurement organizations, or you may hear them referred to as OPOs, um, and anyone that essentially works in the transplant community acts as a steward of the organ and the recipient and the donor with the highest respect that it needs to. It needs, it makes sure that there is no discrimination, that there is, it, it is um, objective essentially. And so they're worth mentioning because they are so valuable to what we do. Oh, absolutely. Um, the, we couldn't exist without UNOS. I mean, right. UNOS is the ones, uh, I, I like to joke sometimes when I'm training someone new. I'm like, UNOS, Google it. Look it up. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Because you need to know it. There's a lot of information on their website in general. But they're the ones that, that regulate the wait list. I mean... <laughs> They, they are the, the 24 seven, they are 365, 24 seven, and they're managing that wait list and matching the donors to the recipients all hours of the day and maintaining the database, making sure that the patients are added to the UNOS wait list. That's what we refer it to when we do documentation, patient is listed, UNOS status, boom, mm -hmm. um, for transplant, uh, heart transplant specifically, you know, we have the, the allocation score and we have our, you know, scores and, or not, I'm sorry, not, you know, scores, but we have our allocation scores. Mm -hmm. So we make sure that that's listed um, when we're putting in the documentation, one, two, three, four, five, six, or seven, if they're inactivated. So but, um, how does this compare to, okay, so you, I, I've mentioned this before about Gray's Anatomy and the LVAD, you know, it's, it's not, it's not like that, but if somebody said, um, because this does come up quite often, where uh, patients say, you know, how do I get to the top of the list? And how do you, uh, with empathy and compassion, explain to somebody, it's not just a Word document that some random person is is manning and, um, and putting their buddies at the top of the list. It's because TV, movies, that's good. That's good Hollywood, right? It, you think that there is somebody that just has like a notepad app on a on a computer and that's the wait list. And it's not at all. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one because patients, you hear it all the time. Oh, did they buy their way up? Mm -hmm. Which is, is illegal. Uh, UNOS specifically states it is illegal and in fact considered i believe a uh i have that in our show notes area but it is a federal felony to give or receive money or any other tangible gift in exchange for a donated organ so you cannot buy your way to the top mm -hmm. say it louder for the people in the back exactly it's not allowed but what happens when the patients especially uh in support group, 
see the people coming by that say that they're pre and then all of a sudden they got a transplant but I'm still pre and I feel like I'm sicker than they were and you know how how that works and it's tough it's those tough conversations of you know you might meet criteria for this Uh, we can have another visit with the physician and the nurse coordinator if you'd like to discuss you know, why you're meeting that criteria, but there is so many behind the scenes. There's so many just details that go into making what status you are, where you are on the wait list. And when you think about your center's wait list, it's not just your center. It's those that are in your region of OPOs. Mm-hmm. So what your list might be here at your institution, now who all's in your OPO? And when you combine those, you're number one, maybe number four on that OPO's wait list, mm-hmm. you know, and then it gets into the blood type and the body size and the, the, just all the details. So I was actually just explaining this this week to uh, a new hire mm-hmm. that a status six could get listed be, or get a transplant before a status two mm-hmm. because it's, it could be the blood type. It could be the antibodies. It could be, it could be. Right. And so. I think the hardest part for patients is that waiting game and that wondering of like, why am I not a status one? Mm-hmm. Well, you, you gotta be really sick. Uh, pretty much you have days, not, uh, eh, almost hours, mm-hmm. not weeks, months to wait. And it's hard because as you said, we want to be empathetic and we have to remember that as social workers too, because for us, we might have a patient that's listed status one. And then we have a patient that's listed status four. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm talking with heart, everybody, that each of the organs have their own allocation scores. But, you know, that that status four is just as as hopeful for a transplant as, I'm going to say, the family of the status one, because the status one is usually not in, involved and, and able to communicate mm-hmm. uh, what they're hoping for. Yeah, And so it's, it's recognizing that though, and, and going back to social work 101, meeting the patients where they are. Mm-hmm. And so helping them understand that your donor will be ready for you when they are ready mm-hmm. and bringing it back to the donors and, and not to make them feel bad, but just saying you're the right donor for you. I, I love my nugget. Your donor is out there. Mm-hmm. They're just not ready yet. And it's only, it can only be your donor. Oh, I just have to sit with that for a minute. I love that. I love that. That's such a good nugget. And it's such a good way to put it. Because you're right. It's your donor is the match to you. Essentially, whenever a organ becomes available, there is a preliminary acceptance and they look at everything on paper and they look at the medical records and the information that's pertinent to the donation and to make sure that it's a good match. Then the surgeon will essentially say, yeah, it's a good match. This, this looks like a healthy heart, lung, liver, kidney, you know, what have you. Um, but then they have to prep that patient for surgery, which means they contact the patient, tell them we found a match for you. There's an organ that's potentially available for you. You need to come into the hospital so you can be prepped potentially for a transplant surgery because no time can be wasted. 
simultaneously while the patient's being prepped for transplant, that surgeon is visualizing that organ. And then there's a second stage of acceptance, which is does what is on paper match what we're physically seeing in this Mm -hmm. organ. And some things that may be seen in or on the organ does not come up on paper. And so then unfortunately, if there's anything that could potentially put the patient or the organ at risk, the surgeon says, "Uh uh-uh, we have to cancel, it's done. And that's extremely challenging, understandably so, for patients who experience a dry run and that emotional roller coaster that goes along with that. Yeah, it's it's hard. I love seeing a patient if I'm there when the the patient gets the the offer or when they come into the hospital to wait essentially to find out. Um, if I'm present, I like to go up and talk with them because there's so much of a emotion and a wave of, I say it's all the emotions at once. And um, they're, when I tell patients that, they kind of look at me. And then I've gone into rooms. I remember one specifically, and this patient told me, you were right. It's all the emotions. I'm experiencing all the emotions right now. Um, because it is. I mean, it's it's happy, it's excited, it's nervous, it's scared, it's eager, it's the guilt, it's all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like to kind of give them that discussion on this, you know, could be a dry run. And, you know, they get that disappointment and some get that fixation, but it's important to tell them um, so that they don't get even more disappointed or say, I didn't know something like this could happen. But it is. It's it's making the donor aspect just as much of it as the patients. And mm-hmm. as social workers, we so much talk about the the patients and we focus on our patients, but I love to focus on the donors too. And I recently came up with a, a slogan. It's a it's all about the graft. You know, because sometimes when we do the things that we do just like with CMS and UNOS wants us to make sure that we're following the patients as well Mm -hmm. um, to ensure that we're giving them the support that they need long-term. And we all have those patients that sometimes it's a little harder Mm -hmm. than others. Uh, They're a little little more frustrating sometimes, but you have to remind yourself that it is maybe at that point, it's about the graft and keeping that graft going, not necessarily the patient. I mean, keeping the patient going, that sounded really bad. (laughs) keeping the patient going. I might have to do like a re-intro on that one. That is okay. And so it's one of those things where we really do have to think about it as the graft as much as the patient. And even if they might be frustrating to us, mm-hmm. they're going through a lot and we have to remember that. And there's usually a root cause. So there's usually a reason for why they may be a little more frustrating. But if you're still not able to get yourself to that point, remember that you're doing it to be a steward to that, that donated gift. Mm-hmm. That, and usually when a patient is frustrating, it's because they themselves are frustrated. And mm-hmm. a lot of times we go back to coping mechanisms we may or may not have been taught when we were much younger. And transplant is trauma. 
It is traumatic to go through a transplant. It is traumatic to be in the ICU, regardless of if it's for transplant or not, just being an ICU level patient is traumatizing. And to process trauma with what coping mechanisms you had before that trauma can be very, very tough. Especially if you had not the biggest tool belt of coping mechanisms at your disposal. And it can be very taxing on social workers and on the staff as a whole to help guide and navigate that process with a patient. It goes back to the work that we do is heavy. Yeah, it is. So with that in mind, we have a third regulatory agency that we wanted to talk about. JACO. JACO, I am sure that you guys have probably all heard of it. It's the one that uh, makes pretty much everyone in the hospital sweat a little bit. Uh, <laughs> the Joint Commission on Accreditation of Healthcare Organizations, which they are, you know, the, the basis of an objective evaluation process that can help the healthcare organization, help the hospitals, help the transplant centers measure, assess, and make improvements um, and improve there and by our ability to assist our patients. Um, they focus on the patient, the individual, the care, the organizational functions, all of it that's essential to keeping people safe, making sure that we're practicing at the highest quality that we're able to. Um, you know, they, there's a lot of jokes and there's a lot of, um, you know, memes out there about, oh, Jake was coming, better hide my drink. Mm -hmm. Oh, Jake was coming. Uh, especially with the, the recent pandemic, there was a lot even more of, you know, can't have a drink at the station, but can use the same face mask uh, for weeks on end. Yes. But again, we worked with what we had at that time. Um, but they're, they're really, their goal is to make sure that we are not putting any patients, any staff in harm's way. And I know it can seem silly about maybe not a drink at the nurse's station, but when you think about that, if that drink were to spill and then that, that water spills to the floor and the nurse is running to a code and there's a reason for everything in mm -hmm. the logistics, <laughs> right? But they're more than just those aspects too. Although the memes really do get us through the day. Let's be honest. <laughs> and uh, Jayco joint commission really has a lot to do too with LVAD programs. And so if you are um, a social worker in this field, you may commonly hear something that says, oh, that's a joint commission best practice. That's a best practice. Well, is that a best practice? And you're probably sitting here thinking, okay, where's this list of best practices? And just tell me and I'll do that, right? Like, wouldn't that just be fantastic? Then we would mm -hmm. just have our little list of what's considered best practices because, okay, let's be honest, like none of us want to be mediocre, we all want to be good at what we do. So just tell us mm -hmm. and then we'll be happy. Unfortunately, it doesn't really work that way um, because those regulatory statements are subjective. And so sometimes what's considered a best practice can also sometimes be subjective. 
Sorry to bust that bubble. There is no fancy <laughs> list out there. Although there are many people that are making great attempts to generate said list. There are many organizations, professional organizations out there that are making great attempts in this field to come up with lists of recommendations and what they would consider best practices to be. And our field needs that. It needs something that we can look at and go, okay, this organization recommended this, this institution recommended this. Um, so hopefully we'll get there. But if you have concerns about is something best practice or not, that's a very good conversation to have within professional organizations and institutions. Absolutely. And I think that brings up a good point too. With all three of these uh, areas, they all come and, and visit with us as well. And so being a part of these professional organizations, you can learn from one another mm -hmm. and learn when we say best practices, you know, perhaps something that it, Kristen is doing at her organization and was called out for as a best practice hey, maybe if that was called out, maybe I should start implementing that if I'm not already. Mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of learning from each other, but also when you see someone that you kind of look at and you're like, boy, I want to be them when I grow up. <laughs> you know, talking to them, being a part, networking and learning from them to get the best parts of other individuals to make yourself, again, um, being at the best that you can be. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so there are lots of professional organizations out there. There are several different conferences. Um, hopefully in later episodes, we will go over some of those resources and explore that a little bit more. Um, but I think that we have run out of time for this week mm -hmm. as convoluted, or I'm sorry, what word did you use? Uh, about discombobulated. your discombobulated yes as discombobulated as today's episode has been uh it hey we we gave y'all a warning we said we'd take the scenic route so mm -hmm. um we turned a very dry topic into a very fun saturday night and so if that's... i mean i think so <laughs> <laughs> if that's not social work then i don't know what is so there we go. Take me away if it is. <laughs> Take uh, me away. I don't want it anymore. <laughs> I don't want any part of it. If this isn't what you call fun, you're not my people. Um, <laughs> no, but... Sitting in our closet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. For everybody at home, I have also transitioned to my closet. Um, <laughs> acoustics and motorcycles and things of that nature. But mm -hmm. we are so glad that you guys joined us want to say real quick too that we just kind of scratched the surface on all of these that was our goal you can get lost in the nitty-gritty of it mm -hmm. of all of these and there are so many details and as we said the the interpretation of it when you think of you know cms then you also have to think of conditions of practice cops that's something that they actually ask you if you know what that means with you knows there's there's more information about what they do with her education out there with Jayco. There's even more with what they do for their education and how they determine best practices. I mean, all of these have so much more to it, mm -hmm. but that's not our role mm -mm. to, to go into the nitty gritty of that. Our role, our goal 
rather, is to just make sure you guys know about them, mm-hmm. get you interested in them, make sure you're aware and you're doing what you're supposed to, to, at the end of the day, help ourselves, but help our patients Yep. and, and be the best that we can for them. Yep. Absolutely. hundred percent. And <laughs> you, you need to quit. <laughs> um, <laughs> and with that being said, I, we are here for you. We have an email address. We have a website. We have social media. Please reach out to us. If you want to hear a little bit more, of course, knowing that we are not the experts from these fields, then let us know. If you want to share with us your convoluted story, uh, I'm so sorry. I keep getting your word switched. Your, your discombobulated. Thank you. Your discombobulated story about the last time that you were uh, reviewed by these organizations. We all have stories about that. Um, Whew. Yeah. I didn't have to meet with Jake the last time. Mm. Mm, so jealous for you. <laughs> but I got a shout out still. What? Because Miss Tiffany over here is the embodiment of best practice. What? No way. When I say that I want to, who I want to be when I grow up, why do you think I'm on this podcast with Kristen? Oh, see, now if that's not the way to have a Saturday night, then I don't know what is. <laughs> uh, we digress, guys. But. We're never allowed to record on a Saturday night ever again. Ever. You know, we thought it was going to be a really good idea. And, um, you know. <laughs> It's going to take practice before we are best practice at podcasting on a Saturday night. Right? That's what it all is. It's best practice takes practice. Yes. Kristen, do you have any beatbox moments for us this week? You know what? I did. I actually did. And you know what would have been really helpful if I had written it down. Mm. Mm. Because now I can't remember what it was. But it was really good. It was really oh, good. Um, try something amazing. It was just there's so many good beatboxing moments that you had. Um, yeah. That you can't remember which one. But you know what? In beatboxing can be. When we say beatbox, guys, you know what that is. It's it's riffing. It's it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So it's your victories. It's your hoorah moments. But it's also like things that you needed a little help. You felt like hmm, could have done this better, or I just need to get some validation or tell me to try harder uh things that that maybe you need some support on yeah so now that you say that I do have a beatbox moment I have two one that's serious and one that's silly which would you like first um let's go serious (laughs) and then silly because we go silly then the serious so yeah yeah so we'll make the silly the silly the palate cleanser so um seriously I, I worked on a presentation that I was feeling very vulnerable, vulnerable about, and that's just me being honest. Um, I was passionate about the topic. I was excited that I got the opportunity to present on said topic on such a scale. And I was very nervous because I wanted to make sure that my presentation was honest and authentic. And the person who, the regulatory person who had to um, review the presentation before it got sent up to the further chain of command actually responded by saying that I had a very solid presentation. 
So okay, I I Look was expecting. You. Wow, this is the biggest piece of nonsense ever. But the fact that I got told it was a solid presentation, I'm really excited. That is super exciting. Yeah, and uh, I hope that we get to hear more about that, how it went in future episodes with beatboxing, or perhaps even listen to it. Uh, some of us out there. Yeah, no, it would that would be awesome. Yeah, if you're interested in hearing about the presentation or details, reach out to us and I'll I'll share the deets. And then the palate cleanser is I had a patient that gave me Jolly Ranchers and I put them in my pocket and I forgot and I did laundry and I just knew the Jolly Ranchers were gonna melt all over my dryer and they didn't. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So that's that's a win. something I can get behind too. So I didn't ruin my scrubs. Yay. Hey, good. That's a good thing. Good thing. All right, Tiffany, what's your beatbox moment? Uh, uh, it's hard. Uh, again, this is a weird week, weird month. But all right. So this is overshadowed, but whatever. Okay. I don't need to give details. I don't have to. I need nope. to do what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, You're a free person in the United States, which is why we are here recording. I, I, I certainly am. <laughs> um, so I had a patient that came through, and I'm going to be very vague as to not give uh, details, so I apologize in advance for that. But I had a patient come that was very, very sick, very sick, and there was a lot of concerns of you know, not being able to get information from the patient and not being able to learn about all of the financials and insurance and if there was insurance. And we got insurance and it came in like right at the 11th hour of that insurance. We were still caring for the patient, of course, and still doing everything that we could. But um, figuring out that piece was making us all sweat. And uh, Mm I kind of just went a little rogue um, I have a tendency to do that sometimes, which is why I and <laughs> started going and doing whatever I can advocate. That's actually one of the, you know, requirements for social work is advocation, mm-hmm. um, and advocating and we got insurance. So there we go. That's my beatbox moment. And for those of you who, uh, who are new to this field, let me just say that, um, Sometimes it can be very, very difficult to get a patient the insurance that they need. Um, that is a very common misconception amongst um, social workers or like other professions that see social workers as, well, the social worker will just get them insurance. We'll just consult the social worker. They'll get insurance. They're uninsured. Call the social worker. They'll sign them up. It's not, it is not that simple. It's not, nor are we the financial counselor, the financial coordinator. So the fact that Tiffany did this is huge, is huge, huge, huge. And really you, you get a trophy, a huge trophy. (laughs) Thank you. I thought it was pretty big deal. I was very excited. I was on zoom with, uh, my team actually when the news came in and did a dance uh <laughs> got a side message i was like was that a happy dance well, what are you doing right there um but yeah it's a big deal insurance you know rules of adulting 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a little plaque on my my desk. I don't know that I should share all, all that's on it. Uh, I shared it with you once, Kristen. Mm-hmm. Um, you did. How to adults. Uh, but one of them on there that I, I wrote in is uh, have insurance. So that's also a fun fact and fun takeaway for everybody. I know it's hard and it's expensive, but keep your insurance, y'all. Seriously. Those are our beatbox moments. We would love to interact with you. As Kristen said, we have all the ways that you can. We are um, ramping up our social media. Uh, check out our Instagram at Beats by SW um, podcast. Beats by SW podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, Got it. We love it and are having fun with it and we want to um hear about what's going on with you guys and interact with you guys as much as we can totally agree and thanks again for joining we are so excited to have this podcast and have you as our listener so we will touch base soon thanks bye now Bye. all right guys thanks for listening we're kristen and tiffany working in transplant takes a team we hear you we see you. We're in this together and together we are stronger. Be sure to check out our show notes for more information found in today's episode. Take a look at our website for additional resources and links that may have been mentioned in today's episode. You can also find us on Instagram and our website, which is found in the show notes. Bye now. Bye-bye. This podcast solely reflects the individual opinions, positions, and or viewpoints taken by its hosts and guests and does not reflect or represent any official opinions, positions, and or viewpoints of the Society for Transplant Social Workers Incorporated, its board of directors, and or membership. Hey, thanks for listening. This is one of our eligible episodes for CCTSW MCS credit. To receive certificate of attendance confirming this credit, please visit our show notes and click the survey link powered by SurveyMonkey. This will open the post-show test. You just pass the test. Be sure to include your name as you would like it appeared on your certificate, as well as an email address for us to send the certificate of attendance. Once you have completed this, either myself, Kristen, or Tiffany will review your answers and send your certificate to the email address you provided. Please allow five to seven business days for certification as we are both full-time transplant and MCS social workers. If you do not receive your certificate in seven days, please send an email to beatsbysw@ gmail.com. Thanks. And we hope you enjoyed the show.